everyone, welcome back to the Baropolis podcast. I hope you've all had a wonderful Christmas period. We are now fast approaching the new year and, of course, the January transfer window. As always, nothing's changed around here. I'm with Nathan to discuss all things Middlesbrough Football Club. And in this week's episode, it's not even really a week, Nathan. As I said in the last episode, it's more just a sort of random jumbled up space of days that we're not really sure what days they are but there's been some football matches that we need to talk about so that's the best explanation I can give uh yeah Nathan firstly how how was your Christmas before we start talking about football probably should ask yeah it was decent Chris thank you very much um yeah few uh few borobits this Christmas the third shirt and uh, a Matt Clark postcard so thanks to my brother for that um but yeah, not so bad, Chris. Just chilled out with family. What about yourself? Yeah, very nice. Thank you. Um, I think I took my advice on the last podcast too, literally, and have just eaten horrendously over the past few days to the point where I'm sat recording this podcast just feeling like I'm going to pop, to be honest. Uh, but apart from that, lovely day. Uh, looking forward to the new year. And of course, going into this podcast the day after the night before, in regards to the Huddersfield game. So I've got an extra sort of spring in my step. Um, but like all of the Christmas podcasts over this period, we've got loads to get into. So we might as well just jump straight into the Rotherham game, Nathan. <laughs> Ironically, I said in the last podcast, a real opportunity to go and put down a marker to the league. Um, I think that was the key word really, wasn't it? Opportunity. Two teams that you looked at from the outset and thought, if Borough are anywhere near the best, they will win both games. And even more ironically, I don't think they were close to the best, but I don't think Middlesbrough were particularly bad against Rotherham. And yet they found themselves on the end of a 1-0 defeat. So explain that one to me, Nathan. Yeah, it's just... One of them typical horrible championship games in which, as you said, you think that going there you you should have a chance of of, of getting a result, and you come away from it thinking, how on earth have we not come away from the game without three points? Never mind one point. Uh, we've conceded to a team that haven't had a shot all game, and we've had about. 25 and a, a lot of them being quite good chances as well um obviously you uh, in the early stages you you have a few testers for for your Hansen in in the Rotherham goal Greenwood coming closest in the first half hitting the bar and and forcing a good save as well um but at half time just the way things had gone in the first half I just felt like the game absolutely reeked of one nil Rotherham um and yeah, going into the second half just just quickly, chance after chance after chance, and then the first half, the the first time that Rotherham really enter our half, and Corn Bramall hikes across into the top corner. It's just typical typical championship stuff. Yeah, and it's very much also typical Borough. I think we both sent each other the same text at half time. Obviously, you were in the ground. I was watching from home. 
And uh, I said, this absolutely reeks of a 1-0. And lo and behold, that's exactly what we got. So, Nathan, obviously another big talking point in the game before Rotherham had taken the lead was the fact that Middlesbrough were not given a penalty. Of course, Alex Bangura, after some really good running throughout the afternoon down that left flank, breaks into the box, is brought down. And from my perspective, watching it at home, and I'm sure from yours and the away end as well, I was just completely baffled how it wasn't given. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfathomable, really. Um, looking at it straight on, I was uh, on on what day were we on? Tuesday, Rotherham. Um, I was still literally behind the goal, so and he's running straight towards the goal, um, not at an angle. He's running straight at the goal. And a Dauphin just doesn't win the ball, doesn't do anything really uh, to, towards the ball, just, just, just pulls him down. Uh, and the worst part about it is the referee's position is right behind it. And he's in the nicest way possible, just shit himself really and decided that instead of making a decision he's just he's just gonna not and yeah. uh let, let let play just go on can i just say i think liam richardson whether it was sort of in a jokey manner i'm not sure but i've seen the quote that basically cohen bramwell had got in after the game and tried to claim that he, he'd meant the goal he'd meant to lob tom glover you absolutely didn't I'm not sure if you were joking, but you absolutely didn't. Stop trying to kid yourself. Uh, and that is complete fairness. But truthfully speaking, there's absolutely no way. Um, so, yeah, we'll get that out of the way. Um, but in, in regards to the performance, as I said, I, I really sort of didn't agree with a, a fair few comments that I've seen on social media in regards to people saying this is down to Carrick, this one's on Carrick, we haven't played well enough. You only have to look at the chances. At the end of the day, if we put some of the chances, and there was a real bucket load, wasn't there? There was a great save from Johansson from Bradley McGree, tips onto the post. And that wasn't even close to being our best chance. That was just an effort that went probably as close as we got on the day, bar and obviously Greenwood hitting the bar in the first half. But all you can say for Carrick there is he's coached a game where... We've had the chances to score. The defence has been resolute. Obviously, a shout-out to Matt Clark as he come in uh, ahead of Rav Vandenberg for a game and, and dealt with Jordan Hugel well, who we knew is a bit of a battering ram and can make life difficult, but he didn't face Dale Fry or Matt Clark at all, really. The midfield, no complaints. It was just that forward line that just lacked a complete cutting edge. And... That's ultimately what lost us the game. Even if Cohen Bramble scores the absolutely ridiculously fluky goal that he does, if we stick away two of the chances, and they aren't half chances, Nathan, they're clear, clear cut chances, aren't they? We win the game and we go into the Huddersfield game full of optimism, expecting us to uh, continue, continue the winning run, really. Something that I do want to talk about because I don't really want to dilly-dally over Rotherham. It's one of those typical Borough, typical championship games that you're hopefully going to forget as soon as possible, but they do happen. There's a few question marks on whether Carrick sort of 
holds off on making substitutes and perhaps sometimes isn't as proactive as what some fans may want him to be. I can understand it a little bit, but in the same breath, if we're talking about the Rotherham game, I didn't really feel like he needed to... Perhaps when we went 1-0 down, I can understand some of the complaints. But up until the point where we were chasing the game, I don't feel like there was any need to make substitutions because we were still really creating chances at that point. Yeah, I think I think you're right. We were creating chances with those players that were, were out there on the pitch. But um, obviously the, the clamour is for, for McGree, really, for the most part. Um, that's probably because, obviously, we, had, we hadn't scored a goal up to up to the point at Rotherham and um, also with him being out for as long as he has been, fans fans want to see him on the pitch again. So I, I can see why that is. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of fans in, in the away end were, were growing frustrated because a player in his position, Sam Greenwood, whilst... He was involved in the chances. He was the player missing said chances. Um, the 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 six the one where he's about six yards out, and he passes it into Revan's chest instead of putting it in the corner. He's uh, he's incredibly poor. Silvera had one when he's through one on one, and he doesn't even hit the target. Some of them, uh, and we'll get on to misses when we talk about Huddersfield, uh, are becoming. Un- unforgivable, really, uh, from the forward line. And you- you'd seen on uh, on Twitter following the game, uh, a few a few fans had, had, had sort of gone on pop mob and posted the big chances created and big chances missed. Now, I'm not entirely sure what big chance sort of consists of, but if it's sitters, if it's sitters from a couple of yards out. Uh, our one-on-ones we've missed about 45 this season which is truly disgusting really from where we were last year yeah the only thing that I will say is on, on your Cohen Bramble point of claiming the goal I didn't hear those those quotes but he didn't celebrate the goal which shows to me that he probably knew that he's hiked that in the top corner and it's an awful cross but there you go yeah, yeah. I I think what's going to be best just for all fans that are listening and our uh, our own sort of well being over the Christmas period, I guess, is that we just leave Rotherham firmly in the past and just try and forget it ever happened. To be honest, um, I mean, typically we've got an all right record on Boxing Day over the years, from what I can remember. Obviously, we are we have been quite fortunate in that we've been at home a fair few times. But, yeah, that was uh, one of the boxing days where, I mean, it quickly, well, at least you felt until last night that it had all the potential to be the start of a quite horrific Christmas period. And thankfully, it hasn't completely ruined our Christmas uh, because, obviously, we have last night's game to talk about as well, Nathan. Huddersfield, I actually said in the previous podcast that I felt that Rotherham was going to be a trickier game than Huddersfield. And you could make a case that the results actually show my argument, but I don't think that's really true, to be honest. 
Um, because if you look at the performances and you look at what Rotherham tried to do compared to what Huddersfield tried to do, two teams in similar positions that tried something very different in regards to playing up against this Middlesbrough side, I actually felt Huddersfield deserved a little bit more, well, an awful lot more credit than what Rotherham did for their performance. Albeit they did they did nick a win, so who are we to sort of complain and uh, take digs at them for doing that? But yeah, Huddersfield, at least you felt, wanted to play a football match. They wanted to take the game to Middlesbrough in certain spells of the game. Obviously, with Sober Thomas in your team, you're always going to stand some chance of creating chances just because of his delivery and his ability to really just play well against Middlesbrough whenever he seems to, whoever he's playing for, wherever he's playing, he always seems to perform against Middlesbrough. So, yeah, that's that was a concern going into the game, of course. But, yeah, I felt Huddersfield, actually, I just wanted to get that in there because although they didn't impress me at all um, and they're probably down there for a reason, you could see that at least they tried to sort of carve out some chances as opposed to basically just riding the luck, which Rotherham managed to do on Boxing Day. Yeah, they've, they've obviously, as you mentioned there, Thomas is is probably their standout player. Um, and quite strangely enough, Neil Warnock didn't fancy him last year and binned him out on loan. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, bit of a strange one, that. But he's back at Huddersfield now and he had a pretty good game again yesterday. Um, wouldn't be against or around a look at him if I'm honest. Um, because of his his end product, um, and his pace on on the wing. But he was he was more more of a a centre forward yesterday, really, with with Huddersfield not starting the game with a natural striker. Um, but yeah, looking at the uh the team going into it just quickly, one change Vandenberg in for in for Clark. Fine, thought it was was okay. Um, looking at their team, no natural centre forward, uh, and then quite typically, Josh Caroma hasn't played for the last couple of weeks and comes in against us, as would be expected because he always seems to turn up against us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that automatically, um, sort of kicked in my uh, negative pessimistic, typical Borough mindset an hour before kickoff, uh, And the first half didn't do a whole lot to uh, to change that. Um, obviously, the big talking point of the first half that could have could have rude uh, us on the day is uh, Isaiah Jones goes through great ball by Johnny Elson by the way uh, to slip I think he's trying Silvera actually but Silvera then sort of miscontrols it prods it forward Jones is onto it chips the goalkeeper and I, I just don't know what happened I, I really don't know what happened uh, all you he have to do he does the hard part doesn't he yeah he's around the he keeper lifts it over the goalkeeper but for all of the life of everyone in the ground, everyone watching at home, you're just thinking, well, he's, he, he's just going to tap in now and that's going to be 1-0. The Huddersfield players had quite literally 
behind the ball and behind the goalkeeper just stopped. They'd almost started walking back to the halfway line because they just saw, well, it's a goal. Of course it's a goal. And seemingly Jones just loses his balance and manages to miss hit the ball. And yeah. I mean, there's 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 an awful lot of football fans, probably us two included at times, where you're at a match or you're watching something on TV and you go, Oh, I, what's he doing? I could have done that. I, I could have I could have finished that. And rightfully so as well, I'm saying. Sometimes people might turn around at me, sometimes I turn around at people at the match. Every different scenario, you sometimes you'll be with a group of mates and we'll say, well, I would have put that away. And you just look at them and say, just shut up. No, you wouldn't. At a game of that intensity at that level, no, you wouldn't have scored. In this circumstance, I actually think there's a genuine argument that a lot of a lot of Middlesbrough fans would have just put it away. Maybe he's yeah. not dinked it over the keeper, but just just stuck it in the back of the net. I, listen, I, I'm glad that we can laugh about it now because that one could have really haunted everyone for years to come. And I'm I'm just about getting over the Fletcher one at Huddersfield from a few years ago, but that takes the biscuit. I, I, I don't think I'll ever understand and thankfully Isaiah Jones can laugh at it as well I'm sure he'll be getting absolute pelters for it in the changes this morning on, as well as on the bus back last night and hopefully it's all been in a, a jovial manner because we did win the game but dear God I, I, I'm still a little bit lost for words as to how it didn't go in Nathan well my, my my reaction was a little bit different to the the Fletcher one a few years ago, because under under Woodgate, for some reason, the naive young lad had sort of had this opinion that we should just be better, but nothing surprise <laughs> nothing surprises me with this club anymore. So yeah, yeah. Well, we're both at the age now where we've seen enough to know when probably, uh, I know my dad used to say to me, you'll get used to it over the years. When you used to get really upset over a defeat and think, why why is it always us? And then, you know, you get the, it's almost patronising in a way at the time when you're younger and you get, you'll learn, you'll learn about this club. We're at that stage now, probably We've probably been in a position where we've had sort of limited success to the point where we've reached that stage earlier than what you're actually meant to. But as you say, you, you sort of you have no expectations now, and just if you exceed them, fantastic. If you go below them, well, at least you're not sort of your expectations aren't through the roof. Yeah. So that was the reaction as as he missed. It was just. Yeah, we've missed another big chance. It was wasn't any different to Silvera's the other day, really. We could spend yeah. a full podcast just sort of trying to think of ways and how it unfolded the way it did, but I don't think I don't think any of us will ever be able to answer how Isaiah Jones didn't put Middlesbrough one 0 up on the night. And I mean, thankfully, as we've said, it didn't cost us the game, even at points where you thought, "Oh God." We're going to drop points because of that. But, yeah, it didn't sort of completely ruin the night. And 
actually, in, in regards to the performance, I felt that after that chance for the remainder of the first half, that it did go a little bit stale, to be honest. We didn't actually have any more huge chances. I don't think you can get a bigger chance than that, really. But it, it sort of almost just... I don't I don't know if it was just me or I, I don't know if the fact that we almost were so close to scoring and didn't, it just seemed to take the life out of us a little bit. Yeah, we, we sort of got into the final third a couple of times um, and then it'd always be, instead of trying to pull the trigger, it'd be, we'll, we'll play an extra pass and then because we've played that extra pass, we're now at the edge of the box and, oh, well, everyone's, Everyone's blocked off, so I'll turn around and pass to Dale Fry, and then we'll, we'll go back to Glover and we'll start again. And it was just the same thing over and over again. And then you you finally have someone that sort of wants to drive you forward in Bangura from left back. And he'd done it once and he got us up, up the wing um, when he'd come inside and then bent, bent his run back out to the wing. He's tried to do the same thing, had the ball taken off him, and all of a sudden they're in one on one. Lovers, like in no man's land, he's fallen over, I suppose. Karoma's round him. You think, oh, well, this is typical. Said in the pub before the game that I was going to have a five run in the score because it's nailed on. He's got a free shot goal and he's at the bar from 20 yards. But it's an open goal. All you have to do is put it on target and it's in. So. Yeah, not as bad as the Jones miss, but yeah, thanks for that, Josh. Uh, it sort of even even things a little bit, but yeah, both sides incredibly incredibly poor in front of goal. Uh, in the first half, second half, you sort of looking for a change. There wasn't one, and then two minutes in the second half, Dyke Steele's taken off, Colburn's on, Jones is thrown to right back, Silvera's thrown to right midfield, Corburn's up front, and you're like, right, we, we could offer something a little bit more here. Uh, Carrick's being proactive, like we've spoken about in the in the Rotherham game and that, that conversation. However, you just told me before the podcast started that it's because Dyke Steele was actually injured rather than uh, a proactive substitution. It changed things around, having a natural centre-forward up front and bang, one chance, one goal. You go 1-0 up. Colburn, great finish. Great ball over the top from Rogers. Great finish from Colburn. Bluffed it just nicely beyond Chapman in the goal. And, yeah, you find yourselves 1-0 up. Um, yeah, glad to see Josh Colburn back. Involved in the side, yes, he's been on the bench in the last couple of games. Yes, he's been brought on with three minutes to go in a couple of them, which is utterly, utterly pointless. Um, but yeah, given a half of football yesterday, and he had one chance in the game and scores exactly what you want from your centre forward. Yeah, absolutely, and it is great to see Josh Coburn back. I know there was a a few people that were obviously very loud about their sort of views on Josh Corbin and the fact that he wasn't good enough to lead the line, despite him being a, a, a major part in the team during our real turnaround of the season. And I, I think, obviously, 
at first there wasn't really sort of any news on his injury or if he even had an injury. And I think a few people thought that he seemingly sort of played his way out of the squad. I, I think we all knew that was never, the, ever, ever going to be the case. Um, and and that was nothing to do with Josh Corbin's sort of dip in performances, even though I don't really think there was a dip in performances. It was always, always to do with injury. And thankfully, obviously, we, we now know that was the case. Um, but yeah, uh, there's been a lot of cries, especially with the missed chances after the Rotherham game. A lot of people very, very much banging the drum of we are desperate for a striker in January and we absolutely are but having that vocal point last night really did change everything for us in the second half just someone to hit again those sort of well those passes that that wrote at, I was about to call him Rogan Rogers there <laughs> Morgan <laughs> Rogers was able to make where I don't think anyone else in the team makes that running behind. It is a striker's run. It's a striker's finish. And I was absolutely delighted to see Josh Coburn stick it away because he's made that look a very easy finish. And in fairness, I don't think it is at all. And especially after you saw some of the chances that we've missed prior to that one, even in the Huddersfield game and in the Rotherham game, it just goes to show what having a natural number nine up there can do for you. And uh, yeah, as I say, a, a really good finish. And obviously, another assist to add uh, Morgan Rogers' goal involvements tally that seems to be ever growing at the moment. Yeah, really pleasing for, for the both of them. It was a pretty good move as well, in fairness. But yeah, as you mentioned, it was uh, probably a, quite a difficult finish, actually. But Colburn made it look very easy, stuck that one away. And you go 1 0 up at Huddersfield. And you're thinking, right, should be relatively plain sailing now. One nil up away aside that you're hoping will just sort of be struck by that. And it's not the case again for a second year in a row. They come they come roaring back. Um and Thomas is instrumental in the goal, driving forward. Plays a nice one-two. His next touch doesn't go his way, which he tries to take beyond Dale Fry. Just sort of bounces off Dale Fry, doesn't clear it away properly. And Helic, the centre-half, fires a shot right in the bottom corner and off the post. And the... uh, I hate, 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 hate that stupid ground because of that lot that stands to the side of you, banging the drum. Um, and hearing that four times in 15 minutes last year really boiled my blood. So to hear it again and hearing it's all gone quiet over there, yeah, really, really, I could feel my heart pounding up my chest, boiling. Uh, so, yeah, I was very pleased how the game went in the end. But... Yeah, it, from from the goal, it was all for this field, really. And they kept coming forward and forward and forward and forward. And they scored a really good goal, really, really good goal, uh, following the equaliser and uh, ball down the side. Thomas running behind. And it's a great finish from him. Blasts in the top corner. 
luckily he was a little bit offside, the tiniest little margin of offside as well. But yeah, it it, it did feel like from the equaliser that the game had turned and uh, Borough just needed to settle down a little bit uh, like they did last year. So was happy to see us not capitulate. Yeah, yeah, I think another Huddersfield from last season-esque capitulation may have been all too much for you, to be honest. Um, yeah, obviously, after that, as you say, Huddersfield did have a real spell. And then Middlesbrough managed to sort of weather the storm a little bit. Um, it wasn't a huge storm by any means, but there was a, a slight storm, I guess. And it was weathered. And then going into the closing part of the game, really, the final 10 minutes, Middlesbrough, of course, had, had put Riley McGree on at this stage. And I thought he made an immediate impact, just those intricate little passes in and around the box. I know they don't count all as, as goals and assists, but just having someone so comfortable on the ball in and around the box who doesn't panic in those situations, doesn't overplay his pass, is neat and tidy, really... It, it, it's something that we scored a lot of goals from last year and having Riley McGree back, even though he's now jetting off to the Asia Cup with Sammy Silvera, which is a massive, massive kick in the teeth, as we discussed in the last podcast. It's been nice to see him for a, probably altogether, what, about a half of football, just just over that maybe, or just under that. Um, it's been great seeing him back. But yeah, as I say, those last... 10 minutes was where uh, the game all kicked into gear once again. And of course, Morgan Rogers involved again, um, ever so well he does to basically take the ball by Huddersfield player. And then there is question marks from the Huddersfield side of things, Nathan, as to whether Morgan Rogers has sort of anticipated contact and just thrown himself on the floor for the penalty incident. I think what he's done here is being clever and there is contact but he does anticipate it if you watch it back and I know the referee doesn't see the game in slow-mo but if you watch it back in slow motion he knows what he's doing but then again there is contact so from a Middlesbrough perspective you'll say well he's done really well from a Huddersfield one you might say he's bought it a little bit I think it's a mixture of both in all honesty well, I think if this was given against us, uh, I'd be very sort of vocal on calling out how embarrassing the defending is. You know, you know that you're in the box. Don't stick a leg out. So yeah, yeah. It, it it's it's on the Huddersfield player for me. It was a pen every day of the week. Um, he's, he's kicked Rogers. Rogers kicked the ball away from him and. I think it was Wiles. It was, it was, it was, yeah, it was so Wiles. Jumped in and, and, and clipped Rogers. It's a pen. It is what it is. Um, little bit of debate. Who's going to take the penalty? Um, of course, Housen has uh, taken one and scored one this season. Coburn's taken one, missed one, but scored the rebound. Johnny Housen steps up, takes it, and you think, yeah, I was confident, if I'm honest. Um I don't think I could have picked uh, a better player than the new captain to step up and take the pen. And in all honesty, it's not a bad penalty. Uh, struck it well, 
suppose what you could say is it's it's maybe maybe a nice height. I think um, I think in this circumstance it's a really nice height for the keeper. That would be my major criticism. It's not the power at all. It's pretty much the same penalty that he took against Southampton. He just went. The keeper obviously dives the correct way in this uh, in this circumstance, and he was always going to dive the right way, wasn't he, Nathan? Because I don't know if you'd seen before the game. It was actually his first ever start for Huddersfield. Um, they're obviously having major issues. Uh, Jacob Chapman, his name was, and yeah, he he hadn't had a bad game at all, really. And yeah, when he when he saved that penalty, you just thought. I mean, if Rotherham wasn't typical Middlesbrough, a goalkeeper and his first appearance saving a penalty in the dying embers of the game, you just thought, well, that's us all over, isn't it? And you slump back, back into your chair. I mean, I don't know what you were doing at the ground. Of course, we did get the corner straight after. So I'm guessing you were still stood up. But yeah, dear me, at, at, at that stage, 30 seconds before absolute pandemonium, you thought, God, we've thrown another game away here. Well, as mentioned uh, slightly earlier in the podcast, you hear that stupid drum once again. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, obviously all their fans on your left-hand side at Huddersfield start like running over uh, to to the sort of the partition. Um, so yeah, cross comes in. I think I turned to my brother every time we got a set piece yesterday and said the odds of us scoring from here is zero every single time we got a set piece. Marlasa sort of drives this one in. Uh, Baldini is at the back post and didn't actually see it at the time. Thought it just sort of been, he tried to head it back across and it's come off a Huddersfield player. No, he's, he's cushioned that down uh, to, to the sort of edge of the box. And I thought this was probably out of pure frustration that Johnny Allison's hit this and he, sh- he, should, have just, he should have done the Colin Bramall and, and, and just claimed it as it was because it's an incredible finish. He's hit it perfectly into the ground just for it to loop in off the bar over Helix's head who was stood on the line and it cushions in off the bar and he said he's miscued it and just take that one, Johnny. Just take that one. Um, yeah, yeah. he's not being so humble with that because if you watch it back, it looks like a ridiculous finish, but it does look like he's sort of shanked it a little bit. But to be honest, I don't really care, Nathan. Tell me what that away end was like when that hits the back of the net. Well, I'll just tell you, I went flying, if I'm honest. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd seen, uh, seen it going in off the bar, but I'd seen it hit the bar I waited for it to like come down and then clip the net. Yeah. In. Um, and seeing Johnny, I saw Johnny Allison run away like with his, his hand up. Uh, and it was just like the left bit of moment at QPR, wasn't it? Obviously, everyone on Twitter had sort of had their own tweet that they'd posted, which was along the same lines. Yeah. Johnny Allison, what a guy. Uh, running away, crazy celebration. He said he said in his interview after the game that it was it was possibly a little bit over the top, but who cares? Who honestly cares? Um, it's it's been a 
a rough old week. Um, with with a that defeat. week, yeah, yeah, and yeah, he's he's put that one in the top corner, and uh, it all went quiet over there. Yeah, I can imagine it did, Nathan. Um, obviously, I'm I'm sure at this point you were falling down several sets of stairs. Um, but did you manage to in the flesh see? the sort of huddle slash everyone jumping on top of each other? Because I don't know if you were face down in a seat or had people on top of you or what at that stage, but that was a, a real... It was... I think Carrick said that some feel uh, some goals feel bigger than others, and that goal definitely did feel just that bit bigger than a normal goal, didn't it? Obviously, closing out of the year, the fact that we just missed the penalty, the fact that we'd been beating off Rotherham undeservedly and then the fact that we were about to drop points and actually at that stage teams above us were still winning Coventry were in the lead we obviously play next and they were about to go a couple of points ahead of us we were quickly sliding down the table and it, it let's let's not sort of hide from the truth it would have felt like a defeat had we have drawn that game yesterday especially I, I think a lot down to the fact that we'd been beaten off Rotherham as well. But at the start of the week where you looked at both fixtures and thought, well, don't want to sort of be too over the top here, but there's no reason why we can't come away with two wins. And then to get to that stage of the game and only have one point out of a possible six was a, I'll use the phrase again, a real kick in the teeth, to be honest. But yeah, Johnny Allison stands up and delivers. And I think Neil Madison called him a gangster, to be honest. I'm not sure about that. Uh, I've always thought that he looked a little bit like Killian Murphy, to be honest. So I guess he, he's, I know he's not from that part of the world, but he might have that sort of peaky blinders look about him, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was pretty gangster, the fact that he was cupping his ears to the Huddersfield fans. Of course, obviously being a, a Leeds boy himself, I'm sure he loved that, that extra little bit more. And yeah, I mean, it's it's one of them where we love it just as much now, but I feel like even in years to come, that'll be one of those moments where you just look back on with extreme fondness, regardless of what happens this season, to be honest. Yeah, and, and just sort of finally, 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 We've beaten one of the bottom four sides in this yeah, division. That as well, we have Christ, to... genuinely, for Christ's sake, Borough, is there any need for no. that? Yeah. Haven't, haven't, haven't beat, haven't beaten Huddersfield, QPR, Sheffield Wednesday, or Rotherham in our first game against any of them, and hopefully now that we've got to play them all again, and that was the first one played Huddersfield. For the second time this season, hopefully we just go and beat them all now, just so we can finally get some points on the board against the dross of this division. Because genuinely, barring Thomas, who like looks like half a player, they are proper rubbish. Same as Rotherham. I'm not. I'm not even bothered. Finally, beat some of the dross in the division, which is fantastic. Um, and. Yeah, the togetherness of the team yesterday. It was it was it was great to see. Um, they've had to en endure a lot of sort of hardship 
in the last month or so since the since the last international break. We'd said at the start that the games were gonna, were gonna come thick and fast, and we're sort of coming to the end of that now. And yes, this month probably hasn't gone our way really in the way that we would have hoped, but we've dealt with it the best we could. Yeah, yeah. And do you know what? It caps off a year in which there's obviously been some quite clear low points. The playoff semi-final defeat to Coventry was... I mean, that's just never, ever going to be forgotten as much as we try to. It'll live long in the memory for all the wrong reasons, really. And despite that, Overall, I think as a Borough fan, most will look back at 2023 with pretty fond memories. There's been an awful lot of good nights following Michael Carrick's Middlesbrough. There's been some really, really, really sort of moments where you think, yeah, we're going in the right direction here. And I think for the most part, it's easy for us, not just us, any Middlesbrough fan, any any fan following their club to go from week to week and bounce from emotion to emotion and think that you're the best thing since sliced bread one week and then think that you're going to go down the next. But I think overall, this year has been one where you can sit back, look at Michael Carrick being in charge, look at the way the club sort of slightly changed and the way they operate in the transfer window and think, do you know what? We might have some real poor results from time to time. But I think we're on a good trajectory and I think we're doing the right thing and I think we're going in the right direction. Yeah, it's been an incredible year, really. Um, just going from going from like January time, the the New Year's Day win uh, at Birmingham, Tuba scores that goal, the tree playing up front, Everyone battering the tree for playing as a as a number nine. He goes and scores two. George Friend's assist. Um, winning said load of games uh, after being beat by Sunderland. Um, so won like loads of games in February and March. Obviously, Sheffield United stands out. Um, then your low point, Huddersfield. Finally, glad that we've eradicated that now. Um, the playoffs and limping into them with a lot of players out injured going into those games you lose out um you know that at full time uh at the riverside that night that you're not going to see a lot of those players pull on a borough shirt again um and you sort of like look back and reflect. You're looking at the project that that's going to be this season. You have your worst start ever this season. You see Gareth Ainsworth's QPR rock up and give you the rock on. Um, that's 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 probably the lowest point of the year, actually. Yeah. Um, I'd be up there in all seriousness, sitting in the Riverside watching him in. A shirt that was far too tight for him. Jeans that must have been bought in a female section of a shop. He's rock boots. And 
the fact I mean I mentioned his shirt the fact that he hadn't even fastened it even nearly halfway up and that greasy long hair slicked back and then seeing Andre Dizel of all people smash one in from about 35 yards only to be greeted by Gareth Ainsworth doing the sort of rock on symbol up to the director's box is I mean it, that did feel really really low at that point I can't lie Nathan yeah, um, and then you follow that up with what felt like a massive win against Southampton coming from behind, Johnny House and Griddies. Um, yeah, uh, you go on a, a nice little couple of couple of wins, heading into Sunderland, heading up the road with little faith, despite winning the previous three, and then you go and stamp all over them in the backyard 4-0 Tony Mowbray is a red he he hits Mackhams um, then the injuries start rolling in uh, the injuries start rolling in and yeah you, you just have to deal with those and in the midst of all those injuries the boys go and get themselves to a Carabao Cup semi-final that you've got to look forward to in the new year. And then obviously Johnny Elson last night leathers that one in um, a bit fortuitously, but who honestly cares? We are in a Carabao Cup semi-final going into the new year. We are three points off the playoffs heading into the new year. And we have finally, finally, finally made it to January. Thank God for that. So, yeah, what a year following the uh, football club. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed through the highs and lows. But yeah, let's hope for, uh, hopefully, uh, a year that's quite similar to this year, but with a little bit more of the tipping of the scales towards joys rather than, 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 than lows this year. Uh, in the in the next year to come because can't be doing with another playoff defeat. I'm just sick of honestly. seeing teams celebrate their own side. To be honest, <laughs> we got Coventry, which was bad enough. Chuck Burnley into the mix. So yeah, they were always going to go up, but it had to be at our ground that they finally sealed the job that everyone knew was going to happen. I couldn't even tell you the fixtures from now until the end of the season, but I hope no one that plays us away are close to promotion. Well, well, I'll I'll tell you. That in in April we have got Ipswich away, which is in early April, mm-hmm. um, and it, it it's quite nice to see them start to falter. So hopefully, yeah, Southampton are breathing down their necks. They are they are really 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 close now, um, and also the second to last home game of the season, Leeds United. Into the riverside. I mean that that really, really would be you're talking about the tipping of the scales. I think that would firmly tip them in one direction. And I think you can guess what direction I'm talking about. But yeah. fan and I don't want to put the kiss of death on anything here. I think Southampton and Leicester and Ipswich have probably just got a little bit too much for those to be celebrating automatic promotion at Riverside. Leeds. Leeds it. I'm not going to sing it yet. 
But yeah, they are they are faltering a little bit. Um but yeah, uh, and then just hopefully we find ourselves in a position where we don't have to be worried about anything going at the final day because on the final day we have Watford who were uh, sort of in and around us at this moment in time. So genuinely, as you said, uh last I think it was last week, Chris, you said about whoever has a good January will uh will likely sort of start you you'll start to see a little bit of a gap form. So hopefully Kieran Scott pulls this one out of the bag in the next month. Um but yeah, we have uh we've had a fantastic year uh following the football club. Uh and now we need to uh think about the next week ahead, which is a very, very difficult league game coming up on the uh first of Jan. And uh, a game in the FA Cup, which gives us a break from the league, which is quite nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, the very difficult league game is Coventry. I mean, there's that extra bit of sort of something about this fixture now, I guess, because of the playoffs. It seems to be that we've sort of developed this strange rivalry over social media with Coventry um, and yeah I mean it was very annoying that they beat us I personally don't think that uh, well there's not let's be honest there's no rivalry actually there it's just a sort of vocal minority which seem completely obsessed with forcing something um, yeah it's strange to say the least but it is there so there is that in it when you look at Coventry I mean, they've already stuffed us once this season, but that's just a given when we go away to Coventry. And usually, up until last season, it was, well, they'll beat us away, but we'll beat them at the other side. They cracked that almost twice. This season, they come to the other side, thankfully not for the final game of the season. So there's only probably going to be a minibus full of them coming up because that was their big day out. Well, they had two last year, in fairness to them. Um, so there'll be a minibus full of them coming up. And, yeah, there's not as much riding on the fixture in, in regards to sort of how it's all going to pan out at the end of the season and the winners and the losers. But in regards to their current league table position, if we win, we can go five points ahead of them. And for a team that, in fairness, have started recently sort of finding their feet a little bit, understanding where a lot of the new players that we brought in during the summer are going to fit best. Mark Robbins has finally sort of stumbled across a 4-2-3-1, which basically enables them to fit all of the new signings in correctly rather than just shoehorning them in. And... Because of that, they have found a little bit of form. I think up until last night, they were second in the form table over the last six games or something like that. So by no means, as you say, is it, 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 is it going to be an easy game? It's going to be a very difficult game. And I think they even rested a couple of their key men last night. So that obviously leans towards Mark Robbins, clearly seeing us as a huge game in his eyes as well. But yeah, I mean, regardless of this fake social media rivalry and all the rest of it, it is going to be a very, very difficult game on the other side. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's um it, it's quite easy to to get drawn into a lot of the the sort of 
bravado that goes on on social media, but I'm, I'm going to try not to do that because um, it, it, it's quite pitiful, to be honest. Um, but yeah, uh, quite looking forward to this one, really. Uh, I always do because they're, they're a pretty good side for the most part. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they're like now without um, Hamer and, and Jokeres, because I haven't seen a whole lot of them. Obviously, you were at the game um, at their place, and, and I did watch it uh, on Sky, but you, you, you can't really get the whole view on Sky. And obviously, they were just sort of, they were in a similar position to us, really, of trying to sort of work their, their way into finding a system uh, for all these new players. And it looks like they've found one now. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how they are, how they are, and how they set up, and and what a lot of those new players that they brought in are like. Um, but yeah, I expect a, a a difficult game. I think that these are relatively similar to us in a way of we have a lot of decent players between the two sides. Um, Obviously, we both had rebuilds in the summer because we lost our better players, both of us. Um, and obviously, both, okay, them not as much as us, but we got off to an incredibly poor start. They got off to a faltering start and haven't really clicked into gear since probably November time, whereas we sort of notched into gear in... September, October, um, and then have fallen a little bit uh, because of injuries and, and things like that. So, yeah, it'll be a, a really interesting game. Hopefully, 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 we can uh, avenge last season um, because that would be would be very pleasing uh, for our our bragging rights with uh, with Alex, our friend. So, yeah, I'm going to ignore the. Uh, the Twitter crap and, and just say Alex. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's best for both of us. Very, very vocal voices on social media, some of which are grading, to say the least. Um, moving on from Coventry, got the better of me for a second there, Nathan. Uh, we do have Villa as well, as you say, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do exactly what I did at the start of the Carabao Cup run. And I think if anything, it's made me emphasize it more the fact we've gone so far in the Carabao Cup. For me, the Villa game is a complete free hit. I don't obviously want us to get absolutely torn to shreds because it's never good for confidence. But with one eye probably one and a half eyes on the Chelsea semi-final. This, for me, should just be the last of our priorities. We don't have a big enough squad as it is at the moment. And unless there's some real sort of quick wheeling and dealing going on in the first week of January, I don't know if we're going to have any new players in. It screams to me of just... Listen, if we go through and beat them, then that would be fantastic, of course. I always want my team to win. But if we 
bear in mind it's on TV for a national audience as well. If we can just get through the game without being completely torn to shreds and embarrassed, I'd be quite happy, to be honest. Or injured. Yeah, well, no injuries as well. That's the main thing, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think I'm the same, really. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, you don't want to get battered. But if you gave me the choice or gave me the chance of being beat 6-0 in this game against Villa and having a 1-0 lead against Chelsea to take to Stamford Bridge, I'd absolutely snap your hand off a million percent. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. Um, luckily for, for everyone, I'm never going to get that opportunity. So, we'll just have to see what goes on against Villa. It'll, it'll be very, very interesting, but I'm fully expecting us to to, to lose the Villa game, if I'm honest. Um, they are a really good side, and uh, we know that Unai Emery likes to target uh, cup competitions as well. So, yeah, uh, couldn't really care less about Aston Villa in the cup. Um, even, even when the FA Cup draw came out and you see Villa come out and you think, oh, they're a big team-ish. That's negated by the fact that we were literally playing playoff semi-finals against them a couple of years ago, yeah. and and also the fact that now it is literally the least important game ever because we have Chelsea two days after it. So literally, I haven't got a care in the world for that game. Beat Coventry, and then let's thump Chelsea in the cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Um. Yeah, well, I guess all that's left to be said is uh, we, we did do two Christmas messages accidentally, really. But uh, we're only going to do one New Year's message. I think from me, Nathan, obviously, looking back, not only as a Middlesbrough fan, but doing the podcast, doing Baropolis, obviously, continue to grow sometimes at a rate which I wish could be faster obviously we do want to try and grow the podcast but it is difficult takes up a lot of our time running the social media accounts obviously special mention has to go to Michael Manning who's our player of the year I think the fact that he's changed the game with all the graphics um, but yeah continue to grow we obviously made the football content awards finals which was just at the time Yes, we didn't win anything, but what an amazing night and one that we'll always, always remember if we never even make the finals again. But it was a, a wonderful night and obviously a major thank you for, for getting us there, obviously, this year. Hopefully we can go one better next year in place. It would be brilliant if we could. Um, but yeah, just want to say a massive thank you for all the support. Continued support on the podcast, on X or Twitter. It's still called Twitter, isn't it, Nathan? Um, but on Instagram, of course, we I did say last year, I think I want to be more consistent on Instagram. We are fairly consistent on Instagram now. Uh, we're on threads. We're on audio, YouTube, all different things. Obviously, next year's goals, we want to interview more people. Of course, we got the Neil Warnock interview. I think it was last year now, actually. Yeah, 2022, we haven't had our yearly sort of big interview this year unless something crops up over the next two days which I don't imagine it will um, but hopefully we can get more interviews done because we love doing them uh, closer when we started the podcast and yeah just a massive thank you again 
and uh, hopefully you continue your support because it, it definitely helps us in times where we, we probably should be prioritising other stuff, but we, we put our time into doing this and hopefully you enjoy it. So, yeah, a big thank you from me. Yeah, just echoing everything that you've said there, Chris. Um, obviously, the standout for for both of us over the last year doing this is is definitely the the, uh, the FCAs and, and being sort of nominated to go there. Um, just sort of bit of imposter syndrome being there if I'm honest um obviously we just do this as a bit of fun um like to keep people informed with all the news in one place on Twitter not making things up uh like we did have a bit of a debacle on uh, yeah. earlier on yeah at this year um but yeah and obviously just doing the podcast we we come on here for an hour a week to to just waffle our our opinion on on the games that have that have unfolded and uh things going on behind the scenes without being too rash in our decision making and saying things that we regret so yeah uh thank you very much everyone for uh for tuning into the podcast and uh yeah twenty one thousand followers now on twitter's good going i suppose and uh stay tuned because hopefully borough We'll uh, we'll have a big January going on, and we sign like some top players that fire us into the playoffs and win us a cup. Well, it's not out of the question just yet, Nathan. So let's go into the new year full of belief, I suppose. Uh, yeah, that wraps us up for this week. It wraps us up for twenty twenty three. Another year goes by. Middlesbrough still aren't back in the promised land, but they're going in the right direction. So there is that to hold on to. Hopefully. 2024 is a good year for all of you that are watching and listening currently. We wish you all the best going into the new year. Of course, we will be back in the new year to reflect on Coventry and Villa before we think about the Carabao Cup semi-final. But for the last time in 2023, thank you ever so much for watching and listening. And that has been another episode of the Brobless podcast. Oh, 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 oh.